Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore. Yes, hello and welcome to all our West Australian football fans to our Tuesday review edition of Around the Waffle, the first for season 2023 here on the Backchat Studios. And by God almighty, wasn't round one awfully good. The turnouts, the footy, the action, the atmosphere, everything you can have about WAFL football, it was sensational. We're going to review all five games. Uh, you can listen live on uh, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can watch us on YouTube. It's our round one review. Paul Persick with you in the back chat studios. It's a great pleasure to have your company. And I'm joined this week by a man who had the whistle in his hand for over 300 games of AFL footy. Here, he's going to be making calls of a different kind. Umpiring legend Dean Margetts. Dean, welcome. G'day, Paul. Nice to be part of the program. Waffle, how good was it in round one? Oh, was it sensational? I mean, the games, the atmosphere, the action, and big news as well with the centre bounce now being gone for season 2023. Not a lot of people created a fuss. Uh, they, they just got used to it uh, from the outset. I was there for the 8.40 start. West Perth clamming up at Pentanet Stadium, and I was a little bit nervous. I was hoping um, young Callum Taverner had the first opportunity to throw it up in uh, an official Waffle game, and it was perfect. And throughout the whole day, it was very seamless, and um, I think... It found its in the, um, its place very comfortably, and having seen some of the bounces throughout the AFL over the weekend, I think we're a, we're a trailblazing decision maker here. Would you think uh, the AFL within the next twelve months could uh, rev- revert to uh, throwing it up every time? Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable they're going to do that for sure. I think they're going to use us as a bit of a, a guinea pig, I guess, um, and see how it goes. But I think after probably a month or so, they're going to go, "Yeah, this is where we need to be." And the standard uh, of games can really reflect on that as well. It didn't take away the competitiveness of the ruck contest. I mentioned with Mark Reddings on Thursday that it was going to make it a mm. lot more even, and we didn't have to waste. Three or f- three to five seconds of game time to have a recall. Hundred percent agree, um, and I think it just takes away that negativity comment in the crowd when there's that poor bounce straight away. No oh, umpies, and then they're thinking negative all all along. But um, certainly being at um, Journal Up on the weekend, it was certainly a, a clean flow. Um, the umpires get to look at a clean ruck contest, and what we want is our our best decision makers making elite decisions and also um, managing the game. The bouncing thing becomes a bit of a uh, a non-issue now for us. Speaking of the fans, didn't they turn out in sure numbers did. for uh, for these games? Fans young and old with a new marketing campaign for the WAFL, attracting new fans to the competition. And didn't we get some great crowds throughout the five games? Absolutely. I mean, win-win waffle. Um, I think we certainly saw some victorious um, uh, crowds. Uh, I mean, I know leaving the ground on um, uh, Friday, Good Friday, uh, at Joondalup, we got some feedback from the West Perth faithful, which I would expect. But um, certainly um, they're enthusiastic and to see the kids on the ground having a good time and with weather being perfect, it was... Um, a big win for football. It certainly was. I was down at Mandurah and Lathlane on the Friday and the Saturday. The atmosphere, the noise was just unbelievable. In fact, over in Mandurah, there were some fans, some young fans blowing those horns, those oh. plastic horns. So that's a, a nice little blast from the past, but uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Is that the old, um, what do you call them, the old World Cup soccer horns? Yeah. The v- Vuvuzela. 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 There's a go, yeah. I can't spell it, but I can barely say it as well. <laughs> <laughs> now the Vuvuzela horns, they were fantastic. And uh, and the uh, atmosphere too over at Lathlane on Saturday night. Night football back at uh, WAFL level once again. Brilliant. And I think that really should set a discussion. Should more waffle games be played on those Saturday nights or Friday nights to attract those fans? I think so. I think the challenge is we don't have grounds that are, I guess, lit up like MRP. Obviously, that's a, that's a high-quality AFL sort of training facility for West Coast. But um, if we can, then I think we should l- utilise it for sure. Well, we, there are going to be some night games in Colts and Waffle W at the Wacker during the year as well, so they'll get more use Brilliant. there. That should set the catalyst for at least league games there during the season. 100%. And the Wacker's a great facility. Obviously, the lights are, are world-class, so uh, we should use um, 
those grounds and venues to um to really showcase our wonderful um competition, which Waffle Leagues will be in 2023. No doubt about it. It's going to be a great season. This is our round one review here on Around the Waffle. Paul Persick and Dean Margetts. Let's get right down to business, Dean. All the five games, starting off with the grand final rematch at Pentanet Stadium on Friday. Many expected this one to be another ferocious contest. It did, but it was Claremont that produced all the ferocity. Winners by 14.714 to 5.12 over West Perth. Impressive game. Uh, if that's going to be our standard of our top sort of four sides, we're in for a wonderful season. What I did notice with Claremont, Paul, was their ability to kick the ball so well. Their field kicking from half back. I think Jai Bolton's lost a bit of weight. It looks like he's very light on his feet and marshaled the troops well with an over 30 disposal game. Um, and just, yeah, impressive. Um, Jack Buller, his height and some of his marking, um, uh, impressive. So Claremont looked the team to beat early doors. Yeah, they certainly is. And uh, I tipped them to miss the five. Uh, I'm disappointed in that. But still, credit to Claremont. They were fantastic. I mean, Bolton, like you said, he, he looks a little bit fitter, you know, light on his feet, very quick across the ground, 28 disposals and 7 marks. And also, Bully could be a prospect for the mid-season draft later down the track. He has some impressive long arms, long levers, and when he takes that mark at that top point, um, he's hard to beat. Um, he either gets an arm chop free kick or he's going to take the mark, and he looked in good form early. West Perth, to be fair, they looked pretty rusty in, in for most of that game. They were unable to kick a goal in the first quarter. They struggled, especially with a bit of a breeze blowing across the ground, and held to 5-12 mm. when their best forwards, Knight and Kytel, failed to fire. That that's a bit of a head scratcher for Darren Harris and his team. They what's what's plan B when they don't fire or get a touch of footy? What's what's their option? And to kick five goals in a perfect day, and I know the the wind was swelling, but yeah, five twelve probably doesn't going to get it done in that game. Now, pl- now, Paul, before you go on, you mentioned your tipping. You oh, said you no. tipped West Perth. Now, yes, I did. I think for all our uh, all, uh, all our viewers, we need to sort of clarify: is it true? And can you confirm that you tipped one out of five in the waffle this weekend? Yes, that is correct. One out of five. And that was the uh, South Fremantle West Coast game, which was probably going to be the one most would have got right. Yes. So maybe it's going to be some more homework for you over the coming weeks. <laughs> yes, I think so. My tipping is now in the same toilet that Banana Tomic drinks out of, I'll say that much. Now, <laughs> Sam Rotham, he's also another issue for yeah. West Perth. He got reported twice in that game. He did. Um, now, obviously, they'll be going for the MRP um, this morning, so I, I can't say too much, but he was reported for a dangerous tackle on Jai Bolton and also for, a, um, I think it was an attempted strike on a Claremont player as well. So it happened very quickly. Um, Right in front of the members stand there. Whether he was trying to inspire some energy there, I don't know. But probably, um, yeah, just overstepped the mark a bit there, Sam. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, talk around whether that will get at least one or two weeks. But we'll have to find out where what the MRP as verdict will be on after uh, after the discussion today. Now, the second game. Oh, this one was a beauty over at Leaderville Oval. Swan Districts, they were out of it at halftime. Four-goal deficit. They came back strongly, but they just couldn't capitalise on their late chances. And East Perth, what a win for them under Ross McQueen. First game, first win as new coach. How oh, good. Um, and just on a, on a second point there, that was our first four-umpire system too, yes. Paul. So, again, another sort of world first for Waffle Footy, throwing the ball up, but also our four-umpire system. But, yeah, to have um, two new coaches, Andrew Pruin and, and Ross McQueen um, going head to head and to get to a one point ball game can't ask for much more than that. Well, what did you make of the four umpire trial that that was used for the first time? I know there was always going to be a lot of debate that yep. you know there's too many umpires out there on the field to stick to three or two. What did you make of it? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Other than sort of backing out towards the boundary, there's not much difference other than two guys setting up in the mid zone. Um, people always say there's another interpretation to worry about, but my view would be, or my response is, all our umpires get coached the same. They're in the same room getting the same information. So it's not an interpretational change it's just simply some umpires think it's a free kick and some don't and sometimes you make it my mistake you know sometimes you get it wrong um we're a very accountable business for that so um we go through reviews every week and they'll happen tonight at training um but yeah overall um luke farmer was our match day coach and he said it seemed to go very well and certainly assisted 
in the way that game was played. It was a big tick in the box, yeah. I can imagine, for the four-umpire trial. Maybe it could be used in future games if they continue to uh, put in some positive reviews. 100%. Now, into that game in particular, Angus Schumacher and also Hamish Brayshaw, two of the more important uh, midfielders, so to speak, in East Perth. They form a good core setup uh, in the midfield rotation. 47 possessions between them in setting up that win. Yeah, both have great footy IQ um, and also strong midfield bodies. So I think when they're, um, they're touching the f- uh, footy as much as they are there, Paul, they're going to be very hard to beat, particularly at games at Leaderville. Yeah, Leaderville, always a tough ground to beat. East Perth, or for that matter, Subiaco, who are going to be meeting in round two as well mm-hmm. this weekend. That should, be an absolute, yeah, that should be an absolute beauty. Also, Scotty Jones in the ruck. Immense. 47 hitouts, completely dominating uh, Jesse Glass-McCasker in the ruck. And I'm backing that he liked the throw up, getting nice clean looks at that yeah. first ball. Um, but yeah, Scotty Jones, again, a former AFL player who has um, you know some very uh, footy IQ again, smart in the ruck, um, clever, and can go forward and kick a goal too. So he's going to be a big um, big opportunist for all the East Perth Footy Club this year. What about Andrew Prune and Swan Districts? They weren't disgraced. Uh, even though they were in trouble at halftime, they found their way back into the contest with the likes of Toby Watson playing at half back and a little further up the ground. Aidan Clark, 38 possessions. And Samuel Fisher, the 2020 Sandover medalist, continuing his form, 25 touches and seven tackles. Their second half was fantastic, but they were playing catch-up football for much of the afternoon. Makes it tough when you're chasing, but Andrew Pruin comes from that community footy background, and I think what, I've, what I understand with Andrew's coaching is he's a great relationship builder, and I think he's going to have those players on side, and to get within one point in his first game is pretty impressive, and I can, I can see a build and an improvement, particularly when they get back to the fortress at Steel Blue. Mm. Almost impossible to win there, so if they're up and about, I think Andrew will have them ticking over pretty well. They only lost once I think last year over there at Steel Blue over to East Fremantle, which is where, which is the side that they'll be meeting in round two for the second time in two years that should be a beauty uh, the, the, the accuracy by Swan Districts from midfield into attack was a little bit off in that first half I mean the final analysis would read 45.8% in disposal accuracy to 60% yeah East Perth had a few of their moments in that second half but Swan Districts they just couldn't capitalise on their opportunities late it's about making your moments count um, so I go in a, in a one point ball game those little things do um, take um, uh, I guess are really important to have as you know Paul so hopefully Swans can tidy those um, disposal efficiencies up for this weekend and at the Fortress will be very tough to beat would you see both? Would you see both sides being a threat for the five if they continue the way that they're playing? I think they'll be fighting for that sort of fifth spot, five and six I would say um, I think your sort of your, your CBOK Claremont, West Perth are your strong three South Fremantle coming from a long way back but again um, momentum can do wonderful things in footy as we know. Now the game in Mandra I was at this one on Friday and it was a beauty at three quarter time Peel Thunder almost looked gone, 21 points down, in fact the deficit was 27 uh, before three-quarter time and then Peel Thunder through the likes of Will Brody, Sam Sturt, Trey Bunnell and also Michael Selwood guided the Thunder home to a four-point win over the Sharks in a round one thriller. Do you think Will Brody said, go boys, jump on my back, I'll carry you through because his 37 disposal game was outstanding. I'm sure he'll be putting his um, his hand up for selection for um, their free footy club this no, week. He made a massive statement. Yeah. He was everywhere on the coalface. The uh, East Fremantle midfielders just couldn't keep up with him. The way he was just getting the ball out of the contest and moving the Thunder into attack was just fantastic. Looks very fit, very quick on mm. his feet too for a big man. He was absolutely outstanding. And four marks and, and seven tackles to accompany that uh, 37 Because that was a bit of a knock on him, wasn't it? Was his mm. speed potentially? So hopefully um, he has lightened off and can be a, a real benefit to, to Peel and Fremantle. Um, I'm just interested to know, how did Sam Sturt go? Obviously a goal sneak. Um, yep, goal sneak. Freo, yeah. Got two goals in two minutes in that wow. final quarter. He was uh, pretty lean for the first mm. three quarters. Only had 14 touches and four marks. But the way he was able to light his team up back into the game in that final quarter, that burst of two goals in the space of a 
couple of minutes was the difference for Peel Thunder because he can go and run like the wind inside 50 when he's on his best yeah. day. Wasn't entirely his best game. He only had that one big quarter. It was the last one. But those two goals were so important for Peel Thunder in getting the momentum back their way. Two goals in two minutes, that can get the crowd up. Um, players can feel that momentum and the energy can grow. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge win. And I think Easter Man will be disappointed at probably coughing that one up based on um, that 21-point deficit at three-quarter time. And a lot of people, there, there are a lot of comments on the Around the Waffle uh, social media pages saying that it's obvious that, um, you know, Peel came back because of the Dockers players' superior fitness. I, I don't really go into that that much. Uh, I don't really go into the obvious because East Fremantle, they had the momentum their way. Mm. 21 points in front. Cameron Eardley, again, magnificent. He was in form. Baskerville, too, was getting a lot of the footy. Luke English playing further up the ground, starting at half forward. He kicked three goals and was really tearing the Thunder defence to shreds for those first three quarters. They just ran out of steam. They just stopped, stalled. They weren't getting first of the football. Yeah. They just weren't desperate. If they need to be a top three side that they were last year, they need to show more desperation than what they did in the last quarter. 100%. Now, question for you um, uh, here, Paul. Um, Blake, Blohurt, Blake Blokehurst, yeah. obviously last year's centre medalist. Do you think his absence in that midfield would have played a part? You know, someone gets so much footy like he did or does? I think for the first three quarters it really didn't even though Bokehurst is a fantastic midfielder and great form he had until that tragic injury in round 16 I still think the Sharks midfield depth is there um, and also up forward Bokehurst can push a little further mm. up the ground and add some scoreboard pressure they did have Dylan O'Reilly there who started well but was held to just one goal Cody Leggett showed a little bit of benefit in the reserves earlier that day maybe he could come back for their game against Swan Districts to add a little firepower up forward in the long term it will be missed but if he does come back late in the season, because speaking to Billy Monaghan a couple of weeks ago on radio, his recovery is looking good. Could good. come back around June, July uh, of this season and add that much-needed depth to East Fremantle's midfield, which is you know uh, exposed with that slight hole that uh, Bokers has left with that injury. But um, it, it's going to be missed for a while. But if East Fremantle can get those wins on the board and have the likes of English, Murdoch, even Tom Joyce, who uh, had, had, a, had a decent game with 18 touches, and Harrison Marsh from Subiaco, who uh, started off uh, started his season with the Sharks in terrific form. I think they, uh, the stars will align, so to speak, for East Fremantle, even if Bokehurst comes back later in the year. You mentioned Luke English. I noticed he had a bit of an incident with one of our umpires on the yes. weekend, a bit of umpire, umpire contact there mm -hmm. where the umpire went down. So I think that might be looked at this morning in MRP too. So yes. interesting to see how that all plays out. That one was uh, an interesting incident mm. there, I will say. But uh, I think that one, not as serious as the Rotham incident. Obviously, two very different incidents 100%. in general play. But uh, I, I don't think uh, English will have a case to answer for as far as he's concerned. And I think he'll play. I think he'll play in round two. Good to hear. Footy accident, maybe. Yeah, easy. You always have those from time you to do time. Indeed. Now, this one obviously was a given. Next game. Of, uh, of the round South Fremantle on the West Coast Eagles South Fremantle I spoke with Mark Reddings on Thursday and early momentum so important for South Fremantle that they started on negative 8 but they got uh, the first cogwebs off and uh, demolished the Eagles 15-12 uh, to 8-11 Impressive I, I don't think I've seen in my time in footy Paul where I've opened up the footy um, budget and I see a team negative 8 Yeah um, So you've got to give credit to the, the footy club to um, to Work through that. The players have no control over what goes on off the field. But to um to get that first four points, which is in the negative four, as you say rightly, um, build momentum, get to the positive, and things can happen really quickly. I think it's the first time in, in Waffle history that a team has got the best percentage out of all the clubs and are at the bottom of the ladder <laughs> with negative four. That's never happened, oh, I don't I, think. I can't dispute that one by any means. Uh, it was unbelievable. But it was a, a great performance by South Fremantle. And even with... 
the, the, the departures of so many quality players, the likes of Mason Shaw, Hayden Schleuth, and now Blake Schlensog, who left pre-season, South Fremantle still continue to be the side that we know, the side that the fans love to see, all-out attack, ruthless pressure, and we saw that uh, on uh, on Saturday, especially through their forward line. Their forward setup is terrific. Brendan Donaldson, live wide with three goals. And Jimmy Miller, I touted him to have a big season mm. up forward. Four goals to start from uh, from 15 possessions. He's going to be such a big force up forward. He's a big target. Um, you mentioned Blake, what's his surname? Schlensog. I um he's out playing for Carnarvon. In Carnarvon, I did a, I did a game up there um a few weeks ago in the Norwest Cup and he was playing pretty impressively. So again, another big body that they've lost. So like you say, those three players who have missed to replace them are difficult, but good to see some enthusiastic um young players coming through and to and to kick fifteen goals in waffle is impressive. Tom Bletchenden with twenty five touches as well. Uh, he was fantastic, and uh, so too Dylan Main, the new captain of South Fremantle. He led from the front. There were some positives for West Coast, though, even though the margin isn't very flattering for the Eagles. I mean, 15-12 to 8-11. Jackson Nelson showed that he, he can be solid, maybe get a, an AFL call-up later down the track, 22 touches and even 12 tackles. Not afraid to get physical at the coalface. Jackson's always been a challenge to umpire. He, he plays on the edge. I think what we need to recognise, too, and probably... Uh, a bit of a shout out to Rob Wiley. I mean, he lost six players who probably would have been playing in that team mm. if they were not for the injuries of the Eagles. So um, he's probably a bit unfortunate that that game wasn't a lot close with some of the um, the cattle he lost pre-game. Yeah, especially with uh, the injuries that they had from that derby. It was Carnage City over there uh, in round three of the AFL season. Um, Nelson, again, fantastic. Like I said, Josh Brown was brilliant. Uh, Harry Creasy, a little further up forward, he was held goalless, but he had 16 touches. He showed some positive signs. So it may have been a big loss for the Eagles, but there continues to be positive signs should they improve this season and climb a little further up the ladder. Yeah, there's some green shoots there for sure. And, and Rob Wally is a very good educator of young players. So I'm sure if he can get their, their confidence right and their energy right, and when some of those players roll back when the Eagles get their injuries um, sorted, I, I think they'll be very competitive this year. How many wins? Because they only had one win last season. That was against South Fremantle, ironically. Do, do you think they can get more than one win? Do they have the side there? It all depends, again, on how many AFL players are available. Very reliant on the West Coast team, obviously. I would say around that four to five win mark. You know, if, if, if a Waffle team is off their guard by 10% and Eagles are full strength, they can really challenge. So, yeah, I'd say between four and five wins for sure. What about the game on Saturday night's final game for the round? And at quarter time, many people are thinking, what the hell's going on? Perth, yeah. you know, they're, they're playing some great football. Their brand was brilliant. They were kicking to targets. They led 5-5 five, five to 2-3. I was there at the ground and asking a couple of people, what the hell is going on? We were <laughs> caught off guard by this, this demon side. First game under Peter German, but uh, Subiaco, they came back strongly. Just too good. 11-15 to 8-7. Yeah. But the margin shouldn't really convince Subiaco. I mean, to be caught off guard like that by a Perth side that is young and a lot of unknowns about them in that first quarter and to kick 11-15, I don't think Bo Wardman and the Subiaco side should be convinced about that. No, probably not. But it's, it had a bit of um, Geelong Hawthorne, didn't it? You, yeah. know, you, you could just sense that the Subiaco bigger bodies at some point would wear the young Perth team down. Um, I guess that new coach, that new enthusiasm was always going to be on 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 show in, in, in the first game at round one and obviously at, at their home ground as well. But I think um, the cream rose to the top at the end there. Those solid bodies, you know, experienced players just wore them down and probably, what was the margin then? 26 points is about right. So yeah, um, yeah so good on um, good on Super for the win. Um, yeah, I'm sure Bo, he's a perfectionist sort of coach. He'll be looking for ways to make that 56, obviously. But um, I'm sure Peter German will learn a lot from that first match you know, in real deal footy. Plenty of positives for the Demons side, especially their young players and some of the more experienced campaigners. Corey Byrne, 33 yep. touch. 
marches. Charlie Thompson coming mm. over from Victoria. He made a good first impression. Eight tackles to accompany his 23 possessions. Uh, Matty Taylor, all class in the back line. And Trent Manzoni coming in from West Perth, adding some premiership experience to the Demons. 25 touches. But there was only one name from Subiaco that I had my mind on. Ben Sokol, the Burning Nailer medalist. Five goals up forward. Can he kick more than 80, do you reckon, Paul? Like, if he tracks along and he's, you know, let's say he plays 18 games at five, six goals a week, you know, he could be um, one of our highest kicking goal kickers for, for a long time. So, yeah, quality finisher, um, experienced. Um, his footy smarts are very good. And on an inexperienced defender, which he might get from time to time, he can really expose them, no, no doubt. And Subiaco's defensive setup on the other end of the ground was just fantastic, especially when they really, when they reeled Perth in in that second and third quarter. Whenever Perth kicked inside 50, there was always a Lions player awaiting to pick up Smart. the scraps and get those yeah. intercept marks. Those defenders were fantastic. Max Walters, too, was fantastic. And Stefan Gyro, the South Australian, 31 touches for Gyro, 25 for Walters. But Walters took eight marks, a lot of them in that defensive half and a few in centre and a couple up forward as well. So Walters versatile all around the ground yeah, and a strong body um, I'm curious to know how did Zach Clark go in the ruck um, Paul? Zach Clark there? of course back at the Subiaco folder after a couple of years in Victoria 44 hit outs and wow. 19 touches he was huge That's on Saturday dominant. night and he would have had again getting clean looks in those, those throw ups so um, I think some ruckmen can really um Benefit their side by getting clean looks in the centre now. It will benefit those rucks in the long term yep. because now the ruck contest is even. Both will get clean looks at the ball on those first throw-ups. And that goes back to the point that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, eradicating the bounce. I think you know, it could be for the better for the WAFL. The Sandful has done it. Yep. And the AFL, I reckon, in the next 12 months could uh, see the bounce gone once and for all. Oh, no doubt about that. This is our Round 1 Review. Paul Persick and Dean Margetts on Around the Waffle. Thanks to Backchat. Okay, this week, and it's the first lot of these uh, votes, the AFL, the uh, Around the Waffle Player of the Year. And this will be uh, an award for the best player, courtesy of Around the Waffle. We'll hopefully get some uh, some sponsor backing very, very soon. But uh, the Around the Waffle Player of the Year votes will be one lot of five, four, three, two, and one. And we'll get right into things. One vote, Aidan Clark of Swan Districts. His uh, game in the midfield was fantastic. Two votes, Jimmy Miller of South Fremantle. He's going to be a live wire up forward, and his four goals is a very, very good sign for the Bulldogs. Three votes, Jai Bolton of Claremont. Quick on his feet, like yep. he said, a little bit lighter. He's lost a bit of weight, and his, his versatility uh, also can play a little bit further yep. up the ground. But his work in the midfield, especially with those clearances for Claremont, they were huge in, the, in that game against West Perth. Four votes, Will Brody for Peel Thunder. He, like Jai Bolton, can be so good in the contest and get those possessions, get Peel Thunder going. He was fantastic guiding the Thunder back into that game against East Fremantle. And the five votes, the Around the Waffle top gun of round one, Ben Sokol of Subiaco. Just his performance up forward. Had a bit of a frustrating first quarter, but he came back into the game, made the game his own inside forward 50, and those five goals pretty much took the game right out of the demons. I mean, no matter what defender you put on Sokol, he was going to take those marks in the one-on-ones every day of the week. Uh, impressive voting there, Paul. Um, five goals was a difference, wasn't it? 26 points, so you take him out, and then all of a sudden the game's different. So um, hard to argue with those um, those nominations there. Now, we'll go to some reserves and Colts scores. They deserve uh, all the love as well uh, in WAFL. West Perth, they defeated Claremont 9-20 to 6-3. East Perth were defeated by Swan Districts 10-13 to 7-7. Uh, Peel Thunder, they also got beat by East Fremantle by 12 points, 9-7 to 8-1. 
And uh, Subiaco, too good for the Demons, 11-16 to 10-7. Uh, in the Colts, there were a couple of familiar faces uh, in the Colts in round one. Uh, Claremont accounting for West Perth, 13-10 to 4-8. Swan Districts thrashed by East Perth, 15-11 to 8-8. Uh, East Fremantle, they, uh, defeat, they defeated Peel Thunder. It was another close game there, 11-11-77. Uh, and uh, East Fremantle just far too good for Peel Thunder in the opening round of the Colts season. And there, like I said, there were a lot of famous faces in uh, the Colts, including the son of an Eagles Premiership player, Banfield. Watch out for him, of course, the son of Drew Banfield in that, that game for Subiaco. I was at, um, at the West Perth Claremont Colts game, um, Paul, uh, and I have to say, when I walked out on the grounds to give the umpires a bit of feedback, um, the size of the players, that's what should have shocked me now. They're just AFL built, ready to go. So I always say to our umpires, don't ever disrespect the Colts competition because the players are just simply too good. So the sizing was... Um, Bit of a surprise for me. And the fact that they're getting a lot more exposure as far as coverage is concerned, they've got their own identity as Absolutely. far as the Colts competition is concerned. Yeah, 100% agree. And a, lo- a lot of these um, players come from like sort of PSA backgrounds and mm. their, their weights programs. You can see their conditioning now and they're just built ready for the next level of football, which is great to see. Of course, uh, v- uh, Banfield, O'Driscoll, Van Ruin, Anna McDonald. Four famous lanes, four famous names lighting up the Colts competition. Yeah, it's great for the it's great for the footy. Um, it's great to see um, you know brothers coming through of current AFL players, and it's 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 just it's just great that we can share that and and celebrate it. And I think um, it's all good for the Waffle competition moving forward. Banfield playing playing for Claremont. My apologies. So we're just getting. I uh, thought I saw him in the crowd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just getting just getting uh, just getting into the thick of things for the for the Colts competition this season. No, good on you, mate. Fantastic. All right, that just about does it for uh, this week's edition of Around the Waffle, uh, Dean. We appreciate you coming on the show, uh, making calls of a different kind. Obviously, after 300 AFL games, we, we really appreciate it, man. No, thanks for having me on, Paul. And um, like I say, the Waffle's in really good um, shape um, on and off the field, um, and our umpires are working really hard to get those decisions right. So um, give them a pat on the back occasionally. I'll put you on the hot seat before I let you go. Who does win the Premiership this year? The Premiership. I'm going. It's going to be an easy to say this, but I'll say on what I saw on the weekend, you know, Claremont looked hard to beat. They looked like there's a hunger there. That grand final loss, I think it burns for them, and I can just see that club, you know, galvanising it to probably have an assault on the um, the premiership in 2023. Yeah, Ashley Prescott's boys looking really, really good after the opening round. Gritty win over West Perth. Sometimes you've got to win gritty to get the four points, 100%. and that's exactly what they did. An ugly win, maybe, but um, it was tough conditions, a bit breezy, but um, I think it's those moments where if you find the four points in those close games, that's what holds you in good set at the back end of the season. So, exactly. all, um, but wish all the clubs all the best for the year. Thank you, Dean. Thanks, all the Paul. best for the season, Go and on. we thank you, all our listeners and our viewers, for tuning in to today's edition of Around the Waffle. Don't forget Thursday it's our Round 2 preview. We're right into the season and we also want to send you a reminder that our regular co-host Taylor Cowper, he will be making his debut next week to review Round 2 of the WAFL season. Remember, you can listen on wherever you get your podcasts and you can also watch on YouTube as well. Thanks for tuning in. We look forward to your company on Thursday. Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.